0: So much of the game of baseball, I feel like it is not not just the randomness, but there's so much of a desire to explain what is in front of you. And there's always this feeling that there has to be some type of underlying cause to a phenomenon on the baseball field. And and now we have so much data that can back this up. That search for that and trying to understand that truth in a better way through that data is like, I mean, it's what I try and do with my job and everyday life, so it's fun to do, you know, with baseball in my uh in my spare time.
1: What's up, bucketheads? Thanks for tuning in and welcome to episode number 106 of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. I'm your host, Anna Tomaso, and each week on the show, I speak with a different baseball fan about their favorite memories, what's left on their baseball bucket list, and what the game of baseball means to them. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with Adrian Nesta. Adrian grew up on the West Coast and is a lifelong Padres fan, but is currently living in Brooklyn, New York, where he works as a data journalist. His natural tendency towards data and statistics goes a long way in influencing how he watches the game. We chat about our favorite stats, how spoiled fans have gotten as we gain more access to data, and how each of us feels about the new rule changes now that we're through a good chunk of the season. We also get into Adrian's favorite and least favorite baseball memories, and why you should always take an opportunity to see your team in the postseason if you can This was a ton of fun. We got into a bunch of topics we haven't had a chance to touch on on the show before, so let's get into it. Now, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy some baseball banter with Adrian Nesta. Adrian, thank you so much for joining us today on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, How Are Things in Brooklyn, New York?
0: Um, I'm doing well. I uh, you know, it's uh it's it's a city that never sleeps, but uh, thankfully I am I'm I'm getting some rest in even though watching watching West Coast baseball can be a little tough out here, but um, you know, uh, it, you know, things are things are doing well.
1: Yeah, I can relate because I'm in Texas currently. My team of course is an East Coast team, the Tampa Bay Rays. When they go west, which is very not often thankfully for me. It's late for me and I'm an hour ahead of you. So I got to imagine that uh, keeping up with the team on the West Coast from the East Coast is a little more draining than, you know, most baseball fans are, I guess a little spoiled in that way.
0: Yeah. I mean, although I will say with the with the new with the new game time, you know, though it's it's given me that that extra half hour, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little less. It's 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 nice. It does make a, a little bit of a difference, I will say. I I I can't deny I am one of those consumers of um the recaps uh the next day, you know, MLB will splice up the game and yes. you know, if I if I can't make it past like the 3rd or 4th inning or 5th inning, I'll just, you know, watch it on the on the re- on, on the replay. But um yeah, it's 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 hard work being a being a night owl up in here.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. And I know we'll get into all of that that good stuff down the line, but the first question I'm going to ask you out of the gate is how is it that you fell in love with the game of baseball?
0: Oh, uh, great question. Um so, you know, I growing up, was not really the most athletic kid, to be honest with you. And I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I I'll I, have a, a, a little anecdote. So, you know, like like most kids I like, tried out for the t-ball team. And I have this distinct memory of after the t- first t-ball tryout I had, um, the, the the coach, it was like a dad in the community. I'm like maybe four or five. You know, can't can't be much older than a tot. Pulled my mom aside afterwards and is kind of talking to him for a bit. And then like my mom comes back and she's saying, you know, okay, Adrian. And my mom's a very like you know no bs person like she kind of just gives it straight and was like so you know you can play if you want but like he's like basically told him i've never seen someone with such little eye hand coordination (laughs) as uh you've had (laughs) and he's been doing that for for a while so you know i I took the hint early and i um I, i never really played but i i just love i fell in love with really the the not only the numbers behind the game but the the interplay between how the numbers would um would and sometimes almost wouldn't reflect what's actually on the field at long grocery store trips in the middle of Sundays listening to you know the radio and 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 just you know having baseball as a path as a pastime and you know just you know even now today cleaning the house and it's just something that's always been on in my in 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 the background it's been the soundtracks to my summers so it just kind of has always felt like something that a natural place
1: i I can relate to the to the idea of having baseball just it's it, it is a part of life on a on a daily basis so um can definitely relate there cannot relate to being told at the age of four <laughs> that i had zero athletic ability
0: <laughs> it wasn't even athletic ability it was just the eye hand coordination. okay apparently okay it was really tough and you know i i, I hey i don't doubt it i Brutal i can't say though. that i have, I have the best but you know hey what are you gonna do we can't all be we can't all be athletes uh Okay, so you alluded to a little
1: earlier having to keep up with a West Coast team. You're in New York right now. Who is your favorite team?
0: Yeah, totally. So, you know, I, um, I am a San Diego Padres fan, born and raised, born and raised San Diego, California. And um, yeah, you know, they've been my team forever. You know, I, I grew up there, I lived there. And it's, um, you know, especially now that it's a single professional sports league market, although actually they are getting an MLS team, um, so recent news, I think actually Manny Machado, their star is a, an investor in, oh, in their cool. MLS team, which is yeah. very cool. But, um, you know, even when they had the Chargers there and I think, you know, football is always just like a, a, a big deal. But um, it, it's, it's, it's a very baseball forward place just because you can play for so many months of the year. Right. Like so many great prospects come out of Southern California, I think, in large part due to the fact that like it's just baseball weather kind of whenever, you know it can be the middle of December and middle of January. And if it's a 62 degree overcast day, guess what? You can still play, you know, I, 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 root for the, for the Padres that grew up there. They're my team. They, um, you know, the ups and downs, it's, it's kind of just what I've, what I've, what's felt natural, you know, what I always wanted to follow up, you know, hometown team.
1: Yeah. Very spoiled too, to, to have Petco park as your, your home park there.
0: Most um, definitely. Yeah.
1: One of the best in, in all of baseball and, my uh, uncle-in-law, I guess, is how I would say that. My my wife's uncle has season tickets to the Padres, and so um, we were treated to just a absolute magical experience at Petco Park when we went down there to visit. What a beautiful place, just in general, and a great baseball town.
0: It, yeah, it's and and it's so true because I, you know, I've gone to other stadiums, and there are a lot of really really great stadiums. Petco is part of that um, uh, neighborhood revitalization, um, that, that kind of wave, and so that area, the gas lamp, since Petco was built, has become such a more fun, more sceney, more going out kind of area. So it's it's um it's a great time. It really is.
1: Yeah. That's that's the type of thing you love to see when when the ballpark comes in and kind of does what it's supposed to do. It's a beautiful thing. So Petco just it's top five for sure. You talked a little bit about Your propensity to kind of keep an eye on stats as you were a younger kid. And I know that's something that's kind of segued into, you know, your your life as you've gotten older. As I understand it, you are a data journalist. Is your data job like are you focused on baseball for your job or are you just kind of like marrying these two things that you love? Give us the story with that.
0: Yeah, totally. So so no, no sports with my job currently, although that would be very, very cool. Um, So basically, I. Yeah, I do, um, data journalism for a company called dot dash Meredith, which, um, runs a, a variety of different websites and, uh, actually print magazines as well. So anything from Entertainment Weekly and People Magazine to Investopedia, uh, Very Well Health, uh, there's a bunch of different basically any, their whole thing is any, any aspect, facet of life. We have a website or a, or a magazine for you. And so some of their brands, they, they have, um, these, um, nascent kind of newsroom so they're trying to do uh mainly a lot of health and finance news and what they uh what they what they like is uh, is someone who's in the we employ a lot of journalists obviously at this company but specifically they're trying to get a little bit more into some data-driven storytelling so not just you know making sure a stat or if it, in an article is correct but like creating a nice graphic that kind of like helps tell the story of you know covid19 or um recently i worked on something about the impact on insulin prices that the recent um Inflation Reduction Act and then the subsequent industry um, price cuts have had. And I'm, you know, doing a story right now on homeownership rates by generation over time. And kind of like my job is basically like thing in the world that is happening that is impacting something that our brand wants to cover. Can we do some reporting on it, but also make some cool graphics and visualizations and use data to kind of explain that? So, you know, and baseball is the data sport, yes. you know, I mean, now it's really taken off, you know almost in any sport, but I mean, since Bill James and the sabermetrics, you know, the, that whole thing has been, you know, almost kind of the fundamental to baseball is that everything is measurable, everything is tracked. I mean, like now literally almost everything is tracked. So um, it's kind of a wealth of of stuff that you can you can dive into, um, you know, on on the various kind of resources that track that stuff. So
1: it's suddenly making sense to me as to why you're sitting in New York City right now. It's, I'm, I'm beginning to wrap my head around it. So right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. What a neat job, and what a what a cool way to kind of get your your hands into and eyes on all the different happenings going on in the world, you know, and and get a, a totally. great great look over time. And man, that sounds fun. That sounds really cool.
0: It's a good time. I'm very blessed. Very yeah. blessed to have this job. Have this career.
1: So you must then be, of course, by default, some sort of a, a stat head, right? Totally. Do you yep. have a favorite baseball statistic? Because I can tell you what mine is, is something mm. that I hadn't heard of for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden one day I came across it on Reddit, something called a toot-blan, I guess, tootle-blan is how you would say it. And I have not heard of this. You, okay. have, to, you
0: have to enlighten me. This it's a real
1: statistic. You you get one in a game. It literally stands for thrown out on the base path like a nincompoop. <laughs> and it's it's a statistic for a base running error that is so egregious just so atrocious that you are going to carry that statistic forward in your life so
0: wow that's it it is like kind of almost like the dunce cap of, yes. of of a like if they have that dunce cap equivalent stat that's so it's such a yeah very ignominious kind of um kind of stat yeah that's wild i uh, favorite stat of mine that is a great question i so I have always been fascinated with spin rate, I think, and, 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 and now it's, you know, now they're getting into stuff. Um, there's like, there's a seam adjusted, uh, things like this, this whole sweeper, uh, phenomenon that's, the <laughs> right. that's taking over baseball. But I, I've just found it really fascinating, um, on a number of levels, just because it does explain so much as to why pitching is so not only difficult and minute and a craft, but then hitting good pitching can be almost, I mean, it's a trope, but it is one of the hardest things to do in sport. And it's because tiny little adjustments that pitchers can make that, that increase or change the plane in which a ball spins can have wildly different impacts on where it's, where the ball hits in strike zone and, and how the ball is hit and all this different stuff. And it's a really watched stat now. I mean, I, I was, this was something I was kind of like interested in, you know, Five six years ago when it kind of first started coming out and now you know it's something that even the big shows and and, and, the, and the national stuff will, will um will will follow i am um, recently it really kind of struck me i am um, i was watching in the, the playoffs the wild card series that the mets and the padres played last year um in the rubber match game um joe musgrove hometown hometown kid uh, of the padres was I mean, he was pitching a gem he's pitching the you know this game of his life basically yes. And in the in the broadcast, they were talking about how his spin rates were significantly above his 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 regular season sprint rates. And and Joe's not like a high spin guy. He's not really even a, a velo guy. He's kind of like a you know location you know work work the edge of the strike zone kind of deception guy. It was so hot, so much higher than his season averages that um the I, I think this was reported. I want to say that the Mets brass were like basically called in to to showalter and were like do something about like this is ridiculous. <laughs> like this can be happening and it and you know it, it obviously led to to what happened in that game but um it to me it was just it's just a fascinating stat like it really is like one of those things that explains so much about the game from the pitching side and then also trying to hit off of off of spin
1: yeah that's incredible and i i think that a couple of things to touch on there one listeners will remember the shiny ears of joe musgrove last yes. postseason uh. and the uh the internet memes of the umpires pulling quarters out from behind his ears. But I do, I see that all the time, right? And if casual fans are watching baseball, they'll pick at the spin rate and they'll try to basically insinuate that a pitcher must be cheating because the spin rate is drastically different and, you know, fail to account for adrenaline conditions of the game, anything that might be going on. So, I, I think spin rate is absolutely like one of the most fascinating things that regular fans like myself are finally catching up to and getting an understanding of as a as a way to basically understand the game a little better. Um so I think that's a great answer.
0: Totally. Yeah. It it was one of those things that it was, you know, you would imagine that a a guy making his first playoff start for his hometown team in a in a rubber match game would be a little bit amped up. So and, and yeah, there's a bunch of different things. Even, you know. Like exactly, like the way in which you might hold the ball in closer to the seams or farther away from the scenes gives a different not just like rate of spin, but also plane of break and stuff like that is is, you know, all these tiny little, you know, changes that of you know, if it's colder outside, a guy might not be able to grip the ball in the way to to produce that spin. So maybe that's why their spin rates are are down on a specific, you know, April game in Detroit or something. So yeah, it's 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 it, it is a really interesting set.
1: Yeah. I just think that's so funny that you know people sitting at home on their couch think that they have a better idea as to what's going on than <laughs> the professionals who handle that every day.
0: Team owners sitting yeah. on their yes. on their couch yes. or in a box.
1: <laughs> I might, might have the same. Might have the same feelings. To be fair though, the shiny ears. I mean, that was very odd, and then it looked weird. Yeah, it
0: it did. It did look very strange, and it it was something I I noticed in that game immediately. And it was kind of one. It just that is a classic like baseball lore thing because in this, in in obviously not the same stakes, but in the same way, like this is the thing about baseball. So much as it is like stats and you know things on the computer and and numbers spreadsheet everyone remembers the lore everyone remembers the bloody sock and you know like game game six of the ALDS and you know everyone remembers these these things that just like you know like kind of just outside of the game that seem to be a part of the game and impact the game in some way so it's yeah yeah
1: Yeah, I had forgotten about that until you started talking about it and I was like oh yeah I remember that that was wild
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's there's so many examples of stuff like that through the years that are just like yeah, it's just really. They they make the game special, yeah. you know, outside of just the numbers.
1: For sure. Memories of, of of series that, you know, without a team involved that I I drastically care for may have gotten lost in the the folds of uh, baseball time in my in my mind at least. Have you done work directly with Saber? Is there anything that that you've got going on with them or
0: no, 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 nothing, okay. nothing like professional or even on my free time. But I mean, I, I fiddle around with stuff off of, you know, stuff off of graphs, stuff off of Baseball Reference. You know, I'm 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 checking the, I you know, I, I also I have a a good deal of computer programming experience, and you know, I pay for the the, the premium access to some of those. Two. So I'm, I have stuff that will like spit me out, like you know, like what are the um you know Padres top with rates on 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 balls that are under you know eighty five miles an hour, and I'll ha- I have something that can like you know for the season get me that, and it's like just cause stuff. And I mean honestly, this is so nerdy, but I'm just interested. Like it's just it's interesting. It's 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 it helps me. I mean, so much of the game of baseball, I feel like it is not not just the randomness, but there's so much of a desire to explain what is in front of you, right? And there and there's always this feeling that there has to be some type of causal the underlying cause to a phenomenon on the baseball field. And and now we have so much data that can back this up and that search for that and trying to understand that truth in a better way through that data is like, I mean, it's what I try and do with my job in everyday life. So it's fun to do, you know, with baseball in my um uh, in my spare time. So
1: I love that. That's so fun. So, I mean, we've talked a lot about statistics and data that we now have access to that obviously didn't exist even just a few decades ago. But there's also been some changes in terms of the game as far as not only the athletic talent of of the guys who are coming up now obviously guys are throwing way harder it seems that you know that's obviously impacting their longevity but there's always been this kind of perpetual argument amongst baseball fans about statistics and rule changes and you know Who's the real home run king? And all of these things that are just kind of intricacies and not necessarily agreed upon. I would love to hear your opinion, because you do have probably a little more data-driven insight on it, on specifically some of these 2023 rule changes, right? So pitch clock, game length, uh, stolen base rate, uh, run production, all of these things that are obviously being impacted by... What MLB seems to have drummed up to kind of lure in some more casual baseball fans and try to to get more eyes on the sport.
0: You know, I think in a a broader point, these rule changes really underscore to me. It's so interesting because so many of what, what what one might call the purists of the game like to think of the game as a static thing through time. Right. The fact that, like, because it's kind of been played in a lot of the same ways through this long period of time, you can compare something that happened in the 40s and the 50s and even before to now. Um, When all of us, I think, really deep down, know obviously little parts of the game change, not just the rules, but like the ways in which the game is played, what is viewed as productive in the game and not productive in the game has changed. And then obviously, you know, players attitudes on, on what they may or may not do to, um, to increase production has changed. And it, it makes one of those things where comparing the greats from different eras, which you try and do from all sports is kind of like,
1: Impossible. it's a fun thing to do, yeah. but it's,
0: it's, it's just difficult, you yeah. know, and and these rule changes to me are kind of one of those things where it's not that it fundamentally changes the game, but it does make you think about, okay, like, you know, if someone has a 40-40 season, right, which very well might happen, or I mean, You know, 50 50. You know, let's say Ronald Acuna (laughs) Jr. has a 50 50 season or something like that. That's awesome, and that's and that's obviously you know historic and and interesting. But you do have that change, you know, in the rules that has now because there's larger bases, because there's a pitch clock, because there's a max on on disengagements. So you know, stealing stealing bases is easier. That doesn't take away from that accomplishment. It's just happening in a different context and the game changes every single season and the athletes that are playing the game change every single season. It's a living, breathing thing. It's a living, breathing game. But I mean, honestly, I, I do, I do, I have to say I really, and honestly, I I think across the board, at least this might be a bubble in which people that I (laughs) talk to and listen to and and follow on the internet are saying these things. I haven't talked to, you know, you know, fans that are maybe are not my um, demographic per se, but, uh, it's been pretty positive. I I've really enjoyed the changes. I think it even being at the game, you know, which is obviously a different experience than watching on TV or being at the radio in which like, you might want to have a longer experience because people go to baseball games, not just for the actual game, but for the experience of being at the park, it's made the, 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 the experience even at the game, I think more dynamic, um, more fluid and just um, overall just a, 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 a um, more enjoyable experience. And, you know, to me, it's one of those things where, you know, anytime you have a change, people are going to be resistant to it. And that makes sense to a certain extent. But, um, you know, I think it's good for the league on it's a long time coming that they're not just trying to lean into a new generation of players and how they play the game, but also like have the, the awareness to say we can change the rules a little bit and not ruin the game, but also actually improve it. You know, like this is, it's a, it's a, it's a healthy sign for the league that they're doing this, um, in my opinion. So.
1: Yeah, that's a really good way to, to put it as a healthy sign for the league because it is really the first attempt to kind of grow fan bases and bring in some outside perspective and, and some, you know, younger people whose attention spans are shorter and maybe don't necessarily care for all of the intricacies between the pitches. Because I, I, I think it's true. Like we've seen attendance up, right? We've seen run production up. I think the games are a lot more enjoyable to watch on TV, which, realistically speaking, is how the majority of fans will consume baseball nowadays. At the park, it's a little harder for me to to kind of swallow that because i I don't want to get up for a beer and miss three innings of of the game. But I'm I'm learning ways to kind of counteract that by getting to the park earlier and doing some of the things that you know I would have done in the game before, uh, before the the play starts. So. I always I like to get get insight on that because I think out of the gate everybody was like very against all of the changes and yeah. uh, people seem to be kind of coming around to it and you know maybe the guys in charge aren't as crazy as as we thought they might be right
0: yeah and and, and like you know exactly it's one of those things where people adapt. Mm -hmm. You know, like if there's one if there's one through line to humanity, how we've gotten here as a a, a people (laughs) is that we adapt to changes. And I think if we are able to say one thing, I think baseball viewers going to the park can adapt to the new game in ways that will still make going to the ballpark feel like going to the ballpark, you know.
1: Right. And if you look at it from from a little, you know, further away, baseball is I mean, all sports have gone through cycles of rule changes to make it more interesting for fans right i remember the nhl lockout and then bigger goals less padding on goalies you of course have the three-point line i was
0: gonna say the three-point line in the nba yeah. they added more points to the game yeah <laughs> i mean like just, you know yeah, and
1: and I, i'm sure people were hooting and hollering against that out of the gate too but now it's a forward just,
0: pass in in the nfl if yes. you want to go back far enough right. you know, that so, was a big deal
1: yeah i think it's a. Uh, I know we've kind of talked about this ad nauseum, but um, I think it's uh, it's interesting to see people's perspective shift on it as as we're now through, like, I guess a third of the season almost.
0: So, yeah, pretty much.
1: Yeah. I want to go back to to something we touched on about the spin rate thing is, do you think the access to data, and this is just an opinion question, that now people who aren't involved in these organizations, like fans have access to now? And their ability to kind of point things out that look a little off has impacted Major League Baseball's attempt to crack down on some of this like foreign substance use because it seemed to have been just something that was like, we won't ask you about it. You don't volunteer any information about it and everything's going to work out just fine to all of a sudden making a, a very hard stop change.
0: Yeah. I mean, everyone from their, like, from their couch, you know, can, can think <laughs> that they, like, like you mentioned earlier, no more than what's going on in the field. I, I mean, I will say, I think that in general, the like access to more information is a positive as a, like a general axiom, right? However, and this is just, you see this in so many other aspects of our society, like media literacy and, and, and data literacy and understanding context and how how things are measured and the methodology that goes into this data collection and how one stat you can you can there's so many instances of you know picking trying to cherry pick one or two stats that fit your narrative instead of trying to take in a holistic of what's out there and use that to inform yourself you know those are those are issues and those will be issues no matter what you know that that's not something i mean that's like like i was saying that's something that in in politics and economics and health and all this different stuff like those are those are issues that we deal with. I, I do think it's been a positive, and I do think it. I will say, it's it's not necessarily a negative if fans care. Yeah. You know, even if they're they're unin—I don't want to say uninformed, but like maybe like they are seeing something that they don't have the full picture with for the context of other data that the teams might have access to that they don't, or you know, again, they're not on the field, so there's other factors that they might not be aware of. But if they care enough to. Not only just be watching the game, but be interacting with it in this in this more dynamic way. There's a lot of positives in that, you know. Like that's a and and if that's going to have Major League Baseball be a little bit more uh, proactive on keeping the game as um, competitively balanced as possible, I don't think that that's necessarily a negative thing. You know, it is it a little silly. I, I remember when the when the um, the hand checking first started to come out, there was one. <laughs> The, one of the first viral ones was Max Scherzer, yes. who is one of my favorite players. He's great, um, but he, you know, very demonstrative guy. And he was coming off of the mound, and he's unbuckling. <laughs> he's just like, what do you know? Like, what do you want from me? Search everything. And it, <laughs> it has produced kind of this almost, you know, anti-like, you know, guilty until proven innocent kind of thing in in baseball. But I think stuff like that gets ironed out, you know. And I do, I do think that um, it's probably for the better in, in the long run that you know they're moving in this direction.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I always just wondered if, if they were like, okay, well, all these people are, are catching on. Maybe they've got access to things. We better start cracking down. But um, I got to believe that there, there's a lot more stuff coming down the pipe that we're not even aware of right now that's in the works. So it's Most definitely more along those lines. If I ask you what your favorite baseball memory is, what comes to
0: mind? Mm. Great question. Well, I mean, so... <laughs> I I have a lot of not favorite baseball (laughs) memories which is funny and um you know I uh I'll I I guess I'll I kind of answer this in two parts in that for the longest time it was my first game that I could ever really remember going to so I'm of this generation with Padres fandom where I'm a little bit too young to remember the late 90s teams with Tony Gwynn and you know they were they were quite good that was honestly some of the best point the franchise was you know I'm I really came of age mid-2000s-ish with the team. But my first game was when they still played at Qualcomm before Petco uh, Park. And my um, preschool teacher was treating the whole class to, um, to, to, you know, come to uh, the game. And I have this distinct memory of he drove this, like, red, like, hotshot Corvette. And I missed the bus from the preschool to get on the bus to go to the game. So I thought I wasn't going to be able to go. And I was very distraught. And he, he personally drove in his, like, convertible, picked me up from the school when he had heard that I missed the game and, like, drove me there personally. And it was, like, this great experience. I don't even remember if they won. I, <laughs> I just remember being there and, and having great time. And for the longest time, that was my really only pod, positive... I shouldn't say only po- positive Padre memory. But there weren't a lot of really, really great positive, um, you know, at least Padres uh, Padres memories. Although, I you know, I loved following the team and they're my, they're my favorite team. Until this last year... Um, I did mention, um, that I, um, uh, did the, the Mets Padres playoff series. So this was the first time the team was playing in the playoffs in front of fans since 2006. Wow. This last, though, you know, that was however many years ago (laughs) that was, you know, (laughs) 16 years ago and they have to be playing in New York city where I lived. So I was like, I have to go. And I work with, um, someone who's, uh, middle-aged guy and uh we he's a big baseball fan he's a big Mets fan he's actually been a Mets fan since the Mets became the Mets so he's like an OG like original Mets throughout you know die-hard Mets fan he was like let's go to this game together which could be really fun blah 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 and I was like all all into it you know I I really I'd never been to a playoff game before and I hadn't seen the Padres play in the playoffs at all and this was the first time in so long so it's really excited and I'll never forget, we sit down in our seats and, you know, Citi Field, it's rocking. It's it's really intense. It's, you know, game one of the playoffs and the Mets. There's just this aura. There was this aura of people were a little nervous. Yeah. You could tell there was excitement, but there was this... And this is, I know, a stereotype with Mets fans, but there's just this anxiety. There's this deep-rooted anxiety with Mets fans that give it the slightest reason to get unleashed and it comes out. And I was sitting in this game... First inning, Josh Bell rocks a two-run home run off of Scherzer. And then the game starts to spiral. And we're just hitting, I think we hit four home runs in like the first five innings in that game. It's seven-nothing. And the fans are booing. It's just, it's just, it is a it is a bad scene. And I'm sitting next to this coworker who I really like, is a really nice guy. And he's just, he's just sitting there, <laughs> head in his hands. And I'm trying not to, to, to to celebrate too much because I don't want to be showboating. But if this is the best day of my life. The team that was, you know, they were barely kind of seemed like they sputtered in the playoffs, weren't supposed to do anything. And suddenly, off of Scherzer, they hit four home runs, and they're like up oh, seven nothing in this playoff game. And it was just this, this really great experience that I'll, I'll definitely never forget. You know, it was, it was it was, it was very special. Uh
1: that's hilarious I, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm envisioning this in my head as you're telling the story and I've been there right like I've been in the same scenario where you're sitting next to a buddy who is a fan of the other team and your team is just absolutely taking it to them and you're like yeah oh I want to jump I want to scream I want to yell but like you're so upset over there
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying not to show you up too much and he was talking about like Hearkening back to other Mets playoffs, he's like trying to compare this game to other. He's like the Glavin game, like, ah, this is up there, but not quite. I was just like, oh my gosh, like, (laughs) just reliving all of this, you know, history of, 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 uh, you know, Mets, uh, Mets playoff, um, burnouts. But it was, it was, it was a great game. It was, it was, um, it was definitely worth the money that, um, that I paid to go. And City Field's a great atmosphere too. So it was, you know, it was cool.
1: Yeah. A beautiful ballpark. And of course, you know, you have to remember, too, that that Padres fans were kind of, uh, you know, this just as well as anyone. But with the news of Tatis being suspended, I mean, the moment that broke, I thought, OK, they're done for the year. You know, they're, they're totally. They're not, so did I. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was you were kind of playing with house money at that point. And then, of course, the Mets with their, you know, the Mets are the Mets. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs>
0: i i and i the thing is is you know living in new york you you run into the two new york baseball mm-hmm. fans and it's so interesting to me the difference in the psyches of those two fan bases and the bravado and the braggadociousness of the new york yankees and the kind of you know anxious neurotic mets fan and it really is and i mean it's just kind of it does really encapsulate i feel like a lot of not just new york but um you know the the, the teams um themselves but uh Yeah, it was, it was, it was really special. um, And it was definitely one of those things where, um, you know, anytime you have a chance to get to a, to a playoff game, to see your team, there's no reason you're trying to find a reason to say no. And there should be no reason because as long as you have the money and you have the time, it's like, it was 16 years. since the last time they played in front of fans. (laughs) 16 years from now, I will be in my forties. So I just, you know, at some point I like, you can't, you can't pass up those opportunities.
1: That's exactly right. That's one thing that I'm, I'm learning is, um, you know, as, as I get older, the Rays went to the World Series in 2008. I was in college. I was unable to to get back for one of those games. I saw the, the championship series against Boston. But I remember thinking to myself, man, this team is so good. They'll be right back in the World Series in the next year or two. And so then, of course, you know, it was 12 years later. So, yeah, when you got a chance to go, just do it. You, you, you just got to take advantage while you can what is left on the baseball bucket list you've you've seen a a, a clinching win in the postseason what's the one thing you still got to do see person you got to meet
0: oh that's a good that's a good well i guess there's two things you have to do you have to do the baseball hall of fame at some point now that i live here in new york it is obviously so much more accessible so i think that's like a in like a History of the game, like just like the game of baseball in general, that's definitely, it's like a fundamental, it's like that. And, um, and the Negro Leagues Museum, which I've heard as well is also really cool in Kansas City. Um, those are like two, like student of the game, just culture of baseball kind of experiences that I would love to, I'd, I'd love to do, obviously. But, you know, I am, um, I, I have my, one of my best friends, you know, childhood, longtime best friend, and he is a baseball like player he was really good he played in high school he didn't didn't play in college but he was just like one of the best players in our high school and was just uh, has been and is also a huge Padres fan he was able to go to the Padres Dodgers NLDS game four clinching game in Petco Park and I remember watching on TV and thinking about the experience of being there and and having that having that Kind of, you know, kind of experience that, that has to be to me, you know, I've, I've gone to PETCO so many times and, you know, it, it, and I live again, I don't live close. It's, it wouldn't be easy to do, but if they ever get back and especially if they get past, you know, the first round or something, I, I just feel like a, a playoffs game and kept in PETCO would be one of the, one of the coolest experiences, uh, experiences out there. I mean, you know, if, if, if you really do think about it, like this, you know, this is, uh, this, Padres aren't a team with a lot of storied history, you know, there's not a lot of like really great, you know, and there's a lot of teams in baseball that are like this, unfortunately. So it's, you know, I know I was was saying this earlier, but when you get a chance to like have that experience, you, you know, you really got to kind of cash in when you can, because, um, you know, you, you, you just never know. And, and, and there's something different about playoff baseball. There just is, you know, and they say that about every sport, but like there's the intensity of hanging on every pitch the crowd, the um disposition of, of the people in the crowd. And just there's, you know, it, it, it is a romanticism that is, is intoxicating in a way that is just not like regular season baseball. So going to, going to a playoff game at Petco would have to be like the last thing I think on the bucket list. And, you know, if they win, if they don't win, you can't control that, but at least you're there, at least you're in the game, at least you're experiencing it alongside live with the players and the other fans. So.
1: I think that would be a great place to see a game, and the Padres—they'll I mean, they'll be right back in the postseason. You know, you we'll would, see. Yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> I
0: take nothing for granted. Yes. I've been in a fan for sports. You one of my—if uh, you want to hear my worst, my worst story, I this is probably, probably too much. But the first time I ever cried at a at a, at a baseball game or a sporting event in general, there's there's actually only really only two times when I when I was a kid. The first was uh, when the Chargers played the Patriots in I think the first round of the. Um, Uh, AFC Divisional and we were the one seed that year and Tom Brady and Patriots came in and and, you know beat us and you know there's a whole like Marlon McCree picks off Tom Brady late in the fourth quarter and is running it back and then fumbles the ball and I'm just like you know 11 years old just dying the second time was the end of the 2007 season And this was after two years of winning the division. So the team was actually pretty good. This is a team with Jake Peavy and Chris Young and Adrian Gonzalez. And, you know, I was like, wow, this team actually, you know, is pretty good. And they'd made the playoffs two prior years and they were in the driver's seat going into the end of the 2007 season. The Rockies go on a 15 and one run to close out the season. And they tie with the Padres on the last day of that season to force a game 163 in Colorado. I'm, I'm, my mom lets me stay up late to watch this game. That's like, you know, I think went into extras. Remember, Adrian was also at a grand slam and, you know, it's, it's cooler. So there's just runs everywhere. And I'll never forget Trevor Hoffman. He's in the games tied. I think it's maybe the 11th or 12th. He gives up, um, this fly ball to Brian Giles in right field and throw down, down to the plate and, guy never touched home but they call home safe anyways and there's no replay and i'm just sitting there just bawling as a kid just like no and the rockies end up going on this incredible run to the world series obviously and that was you know um that was the the you know peak you know of the, of kind of an year after that so um yeah i mean you gotta <laughs> like I, like it's like i said as long as you can get a good get a good game as uh, whenever you can do it because you never know what happens after that don't take anything for granted it's basically my uh, my thoughts with um with with um, the sport
1: yeah that's the truth it'll it'll Game... it'll break your heart yeah it will it'll it'll totally shock the hell out of you and your team that has no business doing anything will go on this you know unprecedented run or your team that has the best record in baseball will not score any runs in the first round of the postseason.
0: So, yeah, the Mariners had won 100 and what, 12, 14 games, and they lost in the first round. And and then they didn't make the postseason again until last year. I mean, yep. talk to someone who's a fan of their team. I mean, it's just like you got to seize the moment whenever you have the opportunity. Don't take don't take it for granted. That's
1: the truth. That is very much the truth. Adrian, if people want to find out more about you online, if they want to follow along with you on social media or anything like that, where's the best place for them to to learn more?
0: Totally. Um uh well I'm I'm on Twitter uh at uh, Justin Estab. Um I'm not really on on much else. Um, but I mean, you know, if you read very well health or Investopedia or anything, you know, I do I do write write for them. So um, you know, that's 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 where my work's at. But um yeah. I mean I you know, that, that that's about it. I don't really have anything else to, to plug or support. Just you know, if you're if you're a baseball fan, keep watching, keep 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 this um this this beautiful game that we have alive because it, you know, it is a really special thing.
1: Definitely. I'll have to start paying a little more attention to those uh those articles now. You'll see if I recognize uh recognize your name there. But I've enjoyed this thoroughly what an interesting conversation, a lot of stuff I haven't had a chance to touch on with anybody else before. So can't thank you enough for making time to to join me today. And you know, I just uh, I look forward for for more fun baseball knowledge coming in the future.
0: Yeah, totally. Anna. thanks for the opportunity. And um, yeah, I appreciate it. Hopefully we're gonna have a, a really awesome all star break and then a- awesome rest of the season and your rays, you know, we'll, we'll see this is This could be, don't want to, don't want to jinx anything. I'll knock on all this wood, but this could be, this could be, could be the year. We'll see. I hope so. We'll see.
1: And that will wrap up this episode of the Baseball Bucket List Podcast. Special thanks to Adrian Nesta for joining us today and sharing those stories and memories. If this sounds like something you'd like to do, if you think you might like to be a guest on the show, head to BaseballBucketList.com slash podcast and fill out an application. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. While you're there, make sure to spend some time on the site. Sign up for a free membership build your own baseball bucket list, and pen those ballpark visits. If you find yourself looking forward to the show each week, please take a few seconds to rate or review it in the podcast app of your choice. Those really go a long way in helping us spread the word and grow the show. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next episode.